Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. I am officially impressed with you. I was so nervous because like we've, I've never done it before so that I would speak bef- even before worship begins. So I, I always see people getting late and I thought like, shall I prepare like halfway recap of the previous episode of my message to give into the middle of the, well anyway, new series that we're starting called uh, Religious Detox. And because it's a big series, before I start preaching to you the very first message, I will give you a little bit of an introduction to the whole series just to explain to you why is it that we decided that it's important for us to give at least two straight months to talk about nothing but the gospel of God's grace manifested in Jesus Christ, all right? And I'm personally so excited because every time I get to talk about Jesus and gospel, I get filled with the Spirit of God, and I hope you will experience the same. So, well, since English is not my native language, and I'm originally not from the States, you can detect it by the accent, Uh, and you give a lot of forgiveness and grace to me when I butcher your grammar, when I get excited, which is fine. But I looked up the... I looked up a uh, definition of detoxification. Deto- detox stands for detox, and that's what it says. Detoxification or detoxication is the physiological or medical removal of toxic substances from living organisms. And that's perfect. Because believe it or not, I don't want to be spooky to you, but spiritually speaking, there are toxic and sickening particles flowing in the veins of your soul. And they try to build themselves into, your, into fibers of your soul and grow like cancer and swallow you up. And if, if it's successfully done, anybody who calls himself a Christian becomes very insecure, very anxious, prone to depression, person who is rendered to be fruitless and powerless in this life. And that's not God's design for you and me, guys. Yes. So the reason we're doing this series is we're trying to target a fundamental problem that exists today and has been in existence since the very beginning of Christian churches. You can see it in the book of Acts. You can see it in Paul's, in every single epistle that Paul wrote, in the letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he really attacks this problem. And he's, he's very passionate about it. So before I give you clear definition of the problem, I'll just tell you how it looked like in my life when I became a Christian. I became a Christian when the Soviet Union collapsed. I was a teenager about, I don't remember, do the math for me, about 16 years old. And somebody talked to me about Jesus. And somebody told me that Jesus loves you and he died for your sins. Would you like to receive him and invite him into your life as your person, the Lord and Savior? And I said, sounds like fun. Let's do it. So I did it. Well, I did it, and you know what? Things began to happen in my life. My life began to be filled with joy, hope, encouragement. I mean, joy and hope were two 
off-chart markers of my life and I knew somehow it's connected to that thing that I did when I invited this person Jesus. In the middle of the night, I told you this story before, I would wake up and there's this bubbly uh, source of joy would start just bubbling up and like, ah, what is it? I'm so happy. I'm so excited about the future. I have no clue what it means. All I know, I belong to Jesus now and he's got my future and I'm excited about it. That what it felt like to be a Christian for the first year of my life. I knew very little. I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't understand the church language. They speak, they spoke this strange language and that I, half of it I couldn't understand. Later, I began to call it Christianese. So, but listen, for about the first year, I was literally floating above the ground. I was bold. I was courageous, I was joyful, I was hopeful, and I, I looked for opportunities to talk to somebody about Jesus. Because I knew that as soon as I start talking to somebody about Jesus that changed my life, the Holy Spirit will begin to flow through me and touch them. And I've seen it so many times. People were touched, their heart was touched by the Spirit of God. Second year, I noticed something that I, I got really good at church culture now. I, I began to understand the Christianese way better now. I began to speak Christianese way better now. I, I began to understand what's expected of me, what's, what's, uh, what's frowned upon, what's smiled upon, what, what to say, what not to say. You, 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 I, I began to well-versed in church culture. I'm more confident among those people that call themselves Christians. But I discovered a strange phenomenon. That original joy, that original hope, that original boldness was residing, was fading away. And I wasn't quite sure how to explain that. And later, it, it was almost gone. Now I was a Christian. About three, four years later, I was a Christian. I was just going through motions. I was just doing this, coming to church. Standing up when it's time to stand up, raising hands when it's time to raise hands, opening my, my mouth when it's time to. And it was like an empty shell. And I said, Lord, what was going on? What's going on? And I started like uh, looking for answers. And uh, preachers began to preach to me, uh, what's wrong with you messages? Like, hey, you have left your first love. You got to return to your first love. You got you to give your whole heart to the Lord now. You got to become an absolute for God. You got to pursue Him and mean business and be about His business. And I tried. I, I, I honestly tried. Earnestly tried. I've been trying for several years. And what happened as a result of that, some days I would feel like I'm in heaven. And I would feel like I walk in God's favor, in God's blessing. And God is using me to touch people's life. But the very next day, I could find myself at the bottom of hell. When I would feel like, I'm not sure about God. I'm not sure about me. I'm not, I'm not sure about anything. It's horrible. Maybe I even lost my salvation. I don't know. If you want to use the word assurance or boldness or courage, they were gone. So by 2008, I kind of get disappointed in all this church stuff, honestly. And I was looking for an exit. I wanted to leave. Honest, I'll be honest with you. I just, I, I've got enough of that. But the Lord, I am so grateful that He didn't let me just drift away forever, as many Christians do. He started drawing my attention to something fundamentally important. 
And that's the problem we want to talk about and we want to address and target during this series. And the problem is drifting from the gospel. Drifting away from the gospel is a prevalent problem that has, be, that, that has been around since the beginning of Christian churches. And it, a lot of Christians, most of them experience that. And the problem with that, it happens in a way that you don't notice exactly when it happens. It's, it happens in a very subtle way. You're just kind of rejoicing in your salvation and Jesus and all of that, but maybe you rejoice at a little. How does it happen? It happens when other elements, foreign elements, are added to the gospel and mixed with the gospel, and those elements are natural religious mindset, religious concept, because religious concepts there is more affinity to our soul than the gospel because the gospel is really almost too good to be true, too good to believe because it's so good. It's hard to believe. Religion, we understand. The gospel, we have a hard time understanding. So, what is the remedy when you drift from the gospel? The remedy is coming back to the gospel. And that's exactly what we're going to do during this 10 weeks. And actually, our promise to you has always been, we will never deviate from the gospel. We will stay on this track. Yes, it'll be focused more and concentrated more during these 10 weeks, but we will always be preaching the gospel. But having said that, I want you to know that next 10 weeks, it's really safe to tell somebody something about your faith and invite them to this church because they will hear the gospel. All right? So just, just a little disclaimer. So that, that's, uh, well, anyway, that's kind of an introduction to the series. And I'm going to read a passage from the book of Hebrews. Paul, just an example how he addressed the same problem. When he's writing to the book of Hebrews, he's writing to Christians from the, that became Christians from the Jewish background. And when they became Christians, they really began to experience the reality of God in a very tangible way. But then persecutions came and testing came and trials came. And their Jewish brothers who didn't really believe in Jesus so much, they tried to pull them back into religion. And the author of the book of Romans, he really took time to dismantle that and to compare and to show the preeminence of Jesus compared to all religions of the past, including the Old Testament. And here's the summary that he brings them to at the end of this epistle, this letter, Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, that's a sign that you are standing on the gospel. You have confidence. Since you have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. You see, it's everything here. Is about Jesus, not about you. Do you see that? You have confidence, not because of you, but because of Jesus and his body and his blood. You can enter into the presence of God because of Jesus, it says, by new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith 
brings. Faith in the gospel brings full assurance and total confidence that enables you to step into the very presence of God at any moment of your life. Assurance and confidence. Not a religious emotional roller coaster that you're riding and you try to get invite others into. So first Christians were known for being confident, full of joy, hope, and almost always in trouble for boldly sharing their faith. And this is God's design for all of His children. And the secret is the gospel. And the power that makes believers such people is the gospel. And religion, on the other hand, religion. I'll say a few words about religion. So in the summary, in summary, the gospel is a declaration that out of His great love, God has removed everything that separated you from Him and brought you into the most intimate union with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, all right? So the great work of redemption was accomplished by Him alone, single-handedly. You're just invited to enjoy the results of that. Here's what religion will try to tell you. Religion is a system of beliefs and practices that takes your eyes off Christ Jesus and fixes them on you. It, it, it appeals to our natural self-centeredness and self-seeking. And that's how we lose power. We begin to be consumed and absorbed with ourselves instead of beholding Jesus and reflecting Jesus. Do you see the difference? So our goal for this next 10 weeks to focus on the gospel and every Sunday we want to show you a different aspect of the gospel that stands in a stark contrast to religious mindset so that you would be able to separate those things in your own soul and you would be able to smell and detect religion miles away and warn your friends <laughs> and warn your brothers and sisters. Well, anyway, yeah, all right. So just telling you, in 2020, in 2011, I became a Christian in 1992. For two years, I was in heaven. Then I, had, I was on this roller coaster. Around 2011, I began to rediscover the gospel, and I've never been on that stupid roller coaster again. Never, ever. Every day I get filled with the Spirit of God. And how I do it? I just look at the gospel, at the revelation of who God is through the gospel. All right, now officially my message begins. I'm sorry. So that was an introduction to the series. Now the first message in the series, I entitled this uh, message this way, Live Loved. That's the main thing I want to try to encourage you to try to do in your life. Live Loved, because you are. It's about time you start believing it, dude. Because it will change your life forever. I'll start with 1 John 3, 1. John writes to the church and he says, See, you got to see it. See, what a great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's the love of the Father lavished on us that we are the children of God today. 
This is the foundation. This is, you know, everything flows from that beginning point. If you don't get this right, you'll get nothing right. God's love has been manifested and lavished on you and me in the gospel. Pythagoras, a famous Greek, ancient Greek philosopher said, give me firm spot and I can move the universe. Now listen, the gospel, the, the, the love of God manifested through the gospel is that firm spot for you and you can move the universe now. You don't, you don't get it yet. Well, you'll get it one day. I'll get it one day. <laughs> God's love for us, first thing you need to know, is unshakable. It's unshakable. It's, it's unshakable. That's a beautiful word. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills will be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. For my covenant of peace will not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. In the light of the gospel, I want you to understand that God is no longer a source of threat or danger to you. A few Sundays ago, I saw a brother from this church came to me and shared a story how he tried to minister someone who just got into an automobile accident. It was on the road and he was shaken, he was distressed and this brother, he tried to minister to him, to comfort him, to, to, to encourage him. And that guy was grateful and he was receiving that. But as soon as our brother began to bring Lord, the Lord into this situation, all of a sudden he pushed back. And he gave him a very cold shoulder and he said, no, 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 no. You don't bring God into that thing. God just tried to kill me a few minutes ago. If he would have known the gospel, he would have known that God just saved him from death. Do you know that? It's, we got to, we got to be set free by, by being firmly established in the reality that gospel is a revelation that God has made his mind about you. He's not trying to figure you out and make his mind about you. And he's not calling you to impress him so that he would make, the, he would make his mind about you in the way that you would like. All right? His attitude, his feelings about you are not fluctuating. He loves you now. He loves you the way you are. He loves everything about you. Don't think there are some parts of you that are more spiritual and acceptable to God than others. And those other parts, when you clean yourself up from those parts, He will finally love you. He'll finally love you a better version of you that you will become one day. That's a bull crap, my famous expression. He loves you now. And here's the proof. And you, you would say, like, how in the world? I don't feel loved by God. I don't feel it. Well, you don't have to feel it first. You have to accept God's testimony first and God's testimony about how much he loves you what he feels about you his opinion about you is the cross of Jesus Christ look at the cross man oh God's love was fully demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Romans 5 8 new international version but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were sinners Christ died for us while we were sinners, Christ died for me. Man, we were covered with all kinds of filth. 
And he looked right through that filth. And he saw someone he loved so dearly. The cross of Christ. Romans 8, 32, he says, you see, I want you to dwell on this and settle yourself in this thought that God's good intentions for you are absolutely established and will never shake, will never be shaken or changed. God has good intentions for you. That's why if you get into a trouble, He is not the cause of this trouble. He's the one who's going to save you from this trouble. Do you hear me? So how do we know that? Here's the logic that Paul uses in the New Testament. Romans 8, 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with his son graciously give us all things? If the son has been given, you can't think that God would hold anything else from you. In this covenant, he says, all that is mine is yours. My brother, my brother, my sister, it, it's time to you, you, you start daring to believe that. Start learning to live loved. All right? And one more thing I want to say about the love of God. Love of God is some theolo theologians, they would list love of God among the many characteristics of God. That is not the revelation of the gospel. God is love. His love is not just one more thing in the list together with his wrath and with his anger and high irritability. And just generally speaking, according to some theologians, God is the greatest potty pooper in the universe. God is love. Uh, John says about it. So <laughs> this is important. And that took me years to understand. I couldn't understand what Trinity is, what, what, why, why Christians are talking about Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And after I began to understand the gospel, it began to dawn on me, my goodness, before God is the king, before God is the CEO of the universe, he is a relational being eternally his heart is relationship he's eternally love and love is never self-seeking love is always about someone else and God is an eternal family eternal fellowship of love between the father the son and the most gentle Holy Spirit and here comes the good news he couldn't hold it to himself he wanted you to be part of this dance and the gospel is crazy news that he brought you right into the middle of this heavenly Twinkie. Seriously, you are there now. It has happened. You are there now. You are in the middle of eternal, unshakable, unchanging love now. Begin to believe it. Begin to believe it. Begin to speak it to yourself. Begin to preach it to yourself. Begin to learn to walk in it. Live loved. What religion does, it promises us to teach us how to get closer to God. How to become more lovable by God. How to become more likable by God. How to trigger some kind of affection from God. And they can be very convincing. Don't listen to that. 
Religion loves to slap a price tag on something that has been God's free gift because it's what his heart is. That's who he is. If you don't believe me, believe John. <clears throat> so he's an eternal loving family, and the gospel is the greatest news of all. Through Jesus, we were brought right into this family. Begin to believe it. Please, begin to read the New Testament and see it there and believe it. And it's, it's everywhere, especially in Paul's letters. Let's read just, just a little portion in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So he's referring to Jesus as a human being, as a Jewish person, as born under the law in Israel. And he said, he was born to redeem those under the law. So for the first time, he only spoke to Jews, but later it was spread through the world. And he said, why did he do that? That we might receive adoption to sonship. That's the purpose. That's the goal. And we told you, sonship is not about men. Sonship at that time in that culture meant the fullness of rights and inheritance. And if you're a woman or you're a man, it doesn't matter. You get a sonship measure of inheritance in him. All right? So, and because of your sons, legally, you're truly, legally sons of God now. Listen to what God has done after he made you legal heirs and sons. He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. Do you know what Abba is? Daddy. I mean, you can't come to this church and don't know what Abba means. That's what the first thing that the Spirit of God does when he comes into a person's heart, after that heart, after that person receives Jesus, he enables that person to cry out, Abba, Daddy, to God. So before he is the king to you, before he is the CEO of the universe, before he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything, he is Daddy to you. Your daddy happens to work as God. You know? He likes it, but he loves being your daddy way more. Have you, have you seen that? Or you're still trying to serve him because he's so big and you're so small. I hope you're not doing that. And I hope if you're still doing that by the end of this two-week series, you'll stop doing that. Daddy's love is not attained to. It's not deserved. It's not given as a reward for the effort of yours. It is his heart for you. And when his heart desire is fulfilled, you got into the family. You are in, my friend. Why don't we do right now? Why don't we do this? I don't know. I know, I know America is a Christian country. A lot of people grew up as Christians. And they never can point to, uh, they, 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 sometimes they don't know. I want you to all stand up right now. Let's stand up right now. And if you're watching me online, do it with us too. The reason I want you to stand up, I want to pray a simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your heart. And I know you did it, but there might be few people in that hole that have not done it. Maybe they've been going to church, but they've never stopped and say, Lord, I believe that your son is a gift of love to me. And today I receive this gift. Let's close our eyes and right now just repeat after me. Let's pray together. And those of you who have never prayed that prayer before, just mean it from your heart. Let's do it. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for revealing your heart through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving me in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe in this message. I receive this testimony. I dare to live loved. I love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys sit down. And if you've never done this prayer before and you've done it for the first time today, please come to Neil or to me, all right? So, okay. Oh, my goodness, this is good. Just talking together to the Lord. Uh, I'll give you a little caveat right now. I'm finishing. I hope I am. It's time to worship now. And we'll worship hard today, man. My goodness, we'll worship well. You know, uh, you might hear some preachers talking about the love of God and they would say, well... Well, before I do that, sorry, I'm running ahead of myself. I want you to remember one word in relation to God's love, unconditional. Just remember this word. Remember, even if you don't fully understand what it means. But what it means is basically what I was telling you, that it's the nature of God. It's your, 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 your lovingness is not found in you by what you do or attain. Your lovingness is found in His heart. And they say, preachers love to distinguish different words in Greek in New Testament. And they would say there are different words used for the word love in English. There's agape, the highest love of God, unconditional intention to, for the best of, of the person loved. There is phileo, there's like friendly love, just kind of a respectful, intimate Friendship, reciprocity, mutual respect. There is a eros love. It's when a young guy just goes Ooh, cuckoo when he sees a girl and he just he forgets everything and he's like just sharp focused to get to this girl and be as close as possible to her. You know, and they would say all of this is like tinted versions, but agape is. A, but the thing is, God's love is so big because God is love. It will take eternity to unfold and unpack. So he always speaks to us our language. So all of the expressions of love that we can find in this world is, is a pale picture, illustration. It's like an echo of what God's love is. You see, there was a best-selling book written called Five Languages of Love. Have you read about it? Have you heard about it? And the general idea is like people are different and people understand love differently. So if two people get married and one of them understands love means I'm helping you with chores, but for that person love means I'm hugging you all the time, they're going to be very unhappy until they learn to understand and speak love languages of each other. Good idea. Actually, worth, it's, it's worth pursuing in, in your relationship. But let me tell you something. This guy says there are five major languages of love. I would say God speaks all of them fluently. And he speaks another bazillion of love languages on top of that. And he has a way to show his love to you through all the different expressions that you can see. One of the expressions of God's love, honestly, I mean, I, I came, it up, came up with this by myself, but I love it. Dogs. When I see dogs, I see unconditional acceptance and just excitement about me, you know. That's a little glimpse into God's heart because God created the dog just to show you that. Something remarkable happened to me in 2011. 
2015. <clears throat> I, I have three daughters, and first two daughters were born in Russia. And in Russia, they don't let fathers to be present when the baby is born, unless fathers pay big money. It's a special service, sold, capitalism, baby. So well, anyway, I didn't have money to be present at the birth of my first daughter and my second daughter. But here in the States, in Springfield in 2015, my, 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 my wife was about to give a birth to our daughter, Victoria. And you, you've seen her. She's running around. So I was there, and my, my wife had to have a C-section. So when they, when they delivered the baby, they washed her. And instead of giving her to mom because they needed to take care of mom, they gave her to me. And they said, go to your room. And I grabbed this little bundle. And there was a little tiny face there. And her eyes were closed. And I tried to carefully carry her to the room that I was told to go to. And halfway in the hallway, she opened her eyes. And she looked at me. My heart melted forever. And for the first two years, I, <laughs> I found this weirdest thing. Going through the day, doing whatever I'm doing. Every time I would think of her, I couldn't control my muscles of my face. It would just go, and people would like look at me, what's going on? Nothing. I just, I, I could not, listen, I physically, literally, naturally, it was so visceral, I couldn't think of her without feeling like pleasure, without smiling. Do you understand that it's just a little tiny glimpse of how God loves you now? Dude, do you believe that? Do you believe that when he thinks of you, the same thing happens to him, except it's put on steroids and like gazillions of volts of electricity is put onto that? Do you understand that? You don't live like you believe in that. <laughs> it's about time to start. It's about time to start. Begin to live loved in your daily walk. Expect the best from God. Expect the greatest. Recently, Wes, Neil, and I, we went to this conference in central Illinois. And we went to this conference without even knowing how big the conference is going to be. And that was a huge conference. It was in, held uh, in the in a church that is a big vineyard church. Over 2,000 people, the best everything, the best musician, the best equipment. And people from all over the states, around central Illinois came there. Hundreds of pastors. And we went. And, you know, we went. And the person who built this whole monstrosity, beautiful thing. I'm not uh, criticizing it. It's, we want to be as successful as, as, uh, as they are. But the father of the house and the mother of the house... They made us feel like we are royalty. And everybody else were looking at us like, who are these guys? Happy, the guy who kind of the father of the house, he, he was making time for us. He was reserving tables for us. He went to kitchen to get our food. And you know what? I didn't even feel weird about it. That's exactly how we should be treated. You know? It felt so good. If we felt, I don't know about you guys, I felt very special. And I liked it. And I thought, you know what? That's my daddy's in operation. I'm not saying you have to be arrogant to have a chip on your shoulder, but I'm saying expect, expect God's special treatment on a regular basis. Because you are beloved child of God. 
And it should show on a regular basis. All right? That's the main idea I wanted to convey to you. That's the very basic thing of the gospel. So now I'm going to pray and we're going to worship him. And we're going to worship him and praise him for revealing his heart to us in the gospel. We don't want religious crap. We want it out of your system. And it all starts, <clears throat> it all starts when we begin to receive God's unconditional love, fully expressed, manifested, well-established in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.